Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you say with us today. Amen. Luke 2, starting with verse 22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus uh, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for your revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There is also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was great of age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas, everyone. That's right. It's Merry Christmas. It's not over. It's Christmas until January 5th, and then we'll have Epiphany. My tree is still up. Our tree is still up. We've, we've only gotten, in the 12 days of Christmas, we've only gotten to the four calling birds. I mean, there, there's a lot more left to go. Uh, at, as I was preparing my sermon at my daughter Emmeline's insistence, I wore the quote-unquote red hat. Uh, that she insisted that I wear. So Merry Christmas. Say it with me, everyone together. Merry Christmas. It's a Merry Christmas indeed. Because we celebrate this season that God himself has come to be with us in Jesus. And just as we read, Simeon and Anna knew this. Salvation has come. A light for all the nations, the Gentiles, that's us. And the glory of Israel has come. The redemption of Jerusalem and our redemption too has come. Paul tells us, and we we said this just a bit ago in our affirmation of faith, that Jesus coming to us as 
a child means that we too have been adopted as God's children. For those of us who have been waiting through Advent and waiting throughout our lives for God to be with us, today we know that God is here. Merry Christmas. And let me take you back just a, just a minute to a few weeks ago. In the, in the Advent Sundays leading up to Christmas, we talked about two songs, two prayers really in the Gospel of Luke as a part of our, our series that I called Hoping and Praying. And these two prayers are, are certainly in Luke. Uh, they're there for us to read, but they're also prayers from Luke. And Christians traditionally have prayed them themselves. And the first was the song of Mary, often called the Magnificat, Latin for magnifies. It's a song that Mary sings and the prayer she prays when she learns that she's to be the mother of Jesus. She begins like this, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She goes on to say, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promises he made our ancestors to Abraham and his descendants forever. And as you may recall that Sunday several weeks ago, we talked about how Mary's song helps us connect our lives, and especially as we pray that prayer ourselves, it helps us connect our story to the story of what God has done in Jesus and to the story of what God did with his people Israel. And then last week we talked about another, another song, the song of Zechariah. Often it's called the Benedictus. And it's the song that Zechariah sings when, and the prayer that he prays when his son, John the Baptist, is born. Zechariah begins rejoicing like this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked with favor on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. And it ends like this, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break on us to give a light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And if you were here last week when I talked about that, you heard me say that, that we Christians are always in that uh, Advent season, that time of waiting and hoping for the light to come upon us, to save us from darkness and death, to guide us to peace because we're waiting for Jesus, not only to come the first time, but to come again. And we pray Zechariah's prayer with him, hoping for the day when Jesus comes to the earth to make all things right again, to bring a new creation where everything is set right. That's what we hope for as Christians. So today we come to this other song, this other prayer in the Gospel of Luke, and we've moved on to Luke 2. And this is a, the final installment in our hoping and praying series. And this is the Song of Simeon. Often it's called the Nunc Dimittis. It's, that's just the Latin for now you are dismissing. It's the first line of the prayer in the Latin translation. And like Mary's song and Zechariah's song, Simeon's song helps us to understand the good news of what God has done for us and is doing for us in Jesus. 
And like Mary's song and Zechariah's song, it's meant not just to be read, not for us to just sort of study it in Luke, but it's meant for us to use it. It's meant for us to pray it ourselves. It's a song and a, a song for us to sing and a prayer for us to pray, even as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and our hope, our, our expectation that He is not yet done with us. If we're going to pray and sing with Simeon, then we have to understand why, and, and understand why he says what he says. And we need to, to look at where he says it and when he says it. The scene is the temple in Jerusalem. Mary and Joseph have come with their child, Jesus. And Luke tells us that they've come for their purification after childbirth, but, but what he's really talking about probably is the requirement in the, of the law in Leviticus 12 that's actually for the woman's purification, the, the rituals that she needed to do after childbirth. And the regular offering for this was a lamb plus a pigeon or a turtle dove. But there was a provision for those who were too poor. Instead of a lamb and a bird after the birth, the woman could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. And that's what Mary brings. So we know that Mary and Joseph and Jesus are poor. They come to, Luke tells us, to dedicate and redeem their firstborn Jesus according to the law. The law didn't actually require that a baby be brought to the temple. But they bring him there. Because his parents, even though they're poor, are also pious and devout. They know that God has called them and they're trying to be faithful with what God has promised them. And they bring Jesus to the temple. And there at the temple they meet Simeon. This man who is righteous and devout, Luke tells us. A man who's looking for the consolation of Israel. That is, he's looking for the completion of all that God has promised his people. And three times Luke tells us that Simeon has a, has a special relationship with the Holy Spirit. He says the Spirit rested on him. And then it revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so then, guided by the Spirit on that day, he goes to the temple with expectation and with hope. And right there in the temple, this amazing moment happens. Simeon takes Jesus in his arms. There, this, this full-grown man, all the, all the pictures that you'll see, you know, of paintings and stuff in, in later years, always predict him as an old man, and that's sort of the tradition. Luke doesn't actually say that, but that's, that's how I imagine him for sure. So there, this, this full-grown man, and, and perhaps this old man, holds this little infant baby. And the man, Simeon, whose name comes from the word for, uh, to hear, this man who has heard from the Spirit, now hears God making the noises that all little babies make, the whimpering and the crying and the gurgling and the sighing. God himself right there. God has heard Simeon, and he has heard his prayers and the prayers of his people, and he's responded with this baby. And so now holding Jesus in his arms, holding salvation in human form right there, 
Simeon not only hears, but he also sees. And then he says, Master, you're now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There it is. That's the prayer. And in a sense, it's the consummation of the prayers of Mary and Zechariah that we talked about. Their hopes for Israel's salvation, that's what they talk about, have come to fruition. The child promised to Mary has come. And the light that was promised to Zechariah has shined. But where Zechariah and Mary primarily hope for and talk about the hope for their people Israel, Simeon says something a little more. He says that salvation has come for all people, for all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Simeon, he's not just getting this out of thin air. That's exactly what God had promised Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. God promises Abraham that he'll make a great nation out of his descendants and that through him all of the world will be blessed. And now it's happening. And Isaiah 2 talks about the days when the mountains of the Lord's house, that's the temple, the temple where they're standing as Simeon prays this, shall be established above the highest mountains and the nations shall stream to it. And Isaiah goes on to say that out of the temple, instruction will go forth to the whole world and that God shall judge between nations so that they beat their swords into plowshares. Salvation for the whole world through Israel starting there at the temple. That's the vision. And that's what Simeon is seeing with his own eyes. And that's what he's touching with his own hands as he holds this little baby. And that's also what Anna, and I would love to preach more about Anna today. Anna's wonderful and fascinating. I'll have to save her for another day. That's what she sees in this child, the redemption of Jerusalem and all who look for it. Salvation is here. Merry Christmas. And yet, and yet, with the prayer, with Simeon's prayer, there's pain yet to come. Jesus, he says, will destine the falling and rising of many in Israel. He will face opposition and hardship. He'll bring out the truth that people don't want to admit. And Simeon tells Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Even Jesus' mother won't escape the pain. And it's a Merry Christmas. And you know, it's not... Always marry for everyone. And that reality is very present for me as I pray Simeon's prayer. You know, I mentioned in previous week the weeks that the, the Benedictus, the Song of Zechariah, is traditionally said in, a, in the morning prayer uh, among Christians for centuries and centuries. And uh, traditionally, the Magnificat, Mary's prayer, Mary's song, is, is traditionally a part of evening prayer. Well, this prayer, this song of uh, Simeon is traditionally the the night prayer right before you go to sleep. And then the the pattern of prayer that I use called the daily office 
You know, it comes up all the time. So I'm, I'm used to saying these words myself. These eyes of mine, these eyes of mine have seen the Savior. Who have you prepared for all the world to see? A light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. And that's true. That's true in, in a sense, at least. You know, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Jesus with my own eyes, obviously. But I've seen, I've seen and felt the effects of, of His grace in my life. You know, I know and believe and trust in Him. And I mean, I'm the preacher for goodness sake, so of course you'd expect me to say that. But all of us who are Christians make that same claim. And we might not use the words of Simeon in, in, in this prayer, but when we say things like, you know, I'm saved, or Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that's what we're saying, that we know that salvation has come and that we've experienced that, or we've begun to experience that, and that we've seen salvation come from Jesus. And whatever kind of words you put to that, that the meaning is the same for everyone who calls Christ Lord. And yet, Simeon foretold that Jesus would face opposition. Some in Israel were still to fall. Mary would have her own soul pierced. And the temple in which Simeon prayed and the early Christians would continue to worship would be destroyed some 70 years after the events that happened right here. And you know, we too face pain and death. Even those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, who have seen salvation come to us. You know, this is a hard time of year for many, many people. And maybe, maybe it's just me, but the sort of day or two after Christmas is often a gloomy day. Yesterday was like that for me. I just felt sort of bad. And I think that's a lot of us probably experience that. And, and maybe that's a sort of a rebound from Christmas overindulgence. And maybe it's just sort of the emotional letdown after a big day that's sort of inevitable. But it happens for many of you and, many, and many, many of us. But you know it's more than just being in a funk for many people. You know, this time of year can be very hard. Now, I'm thinking today about a friend of mine who, uh, who has already buried two children in her life and put her third child, her daughter, on a plane yesterday, not knowing when she would be able to come back and see her. Now, I'm thinking about the two families of the officers in Brooklyn who were murdered last week, and one of whom was laid to rest just yesterday. And I'm thinking about uh, the many other people who have lost loved ones around this time of year, or because this is a sort of a family season, are just missing folks, and are, are knowing that loss sort of new this time of year. And I'm thinking about the folks who, who look back and are just saying, you know, I'm glad this year is over. 2014 was a disaster. Some of you who are on Facebook uh, might have seen this thing that sort of automatically generates this slideshow of your year for you to review. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a, a cool thing. And I, I liked it. The first person I saw was, was Bishop Swanson's. Uh, it's a fine thing. It's not a bad thing. But I heard, I wasn't smart enough to figure this out on my, my, myself, but I heard a, 
report on NPR the other day that, that pointed out that for a lot of people, that little slideshow has been hard because their year hasn't been great. And when you click on that thing and it generates the slideshow for you, the, the words that it fills in for you are, it's been a great year, thanks for, being, uh, thanks for being a part of it. But for many people, it wasn't a great year. Maybe they went through a divorce. Maybe they lost a family member. Maybe it's just been a terrible, terrible time. 2014 wasn't good for them. And at the end of the year, already, they're, they're sort of facing this almost accidental cruelty from this app that reminds them of the pain that they've gone through so recently. Maybe that's your situation today. And if it is, it can be hard for you to say with Simeon that my eyes have seen salvation. You know, sometimes it doesn't seem like salvation is right here. Sometimes it seems like salvation is a long way off. Sometimes it seems like God is a long way off. And it's easy to wonder when you're going through something like that where the good news really is. Does Jesus' birth really make any difference? So for you who have sword-pierced souls this morning, and that's probably everyone in some way or another, this prayer of Simeon, this song of Simeon, it's for you. Now I encourage y'all to, to pray the, the song of Mary and the song of Zechariah over the past weeks. And let me encourage you to pray this prayer from Simeon, the, the, the Newton Demitis as well. And it can be at night or whenever, I mean, that's the traditional thing, but it can be whenever it works for you. Um, try it this week. Try praying this. It's not magic. It's not going to make all of your problems go away, but it does help us to express one of the deepest truths and one of the deepest cries of our Christian faith. And, and by the grace of God, it can help us come to understand what salvation means in our lives, even when we're not feeling it on that day. Pray this, Master, you're now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence for all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The power of Simeon's prayer. Simeon, who himself knew that, pain, that the pain of his people was not over, is that we declare that God's salvation is here and we have seen it even though it might not look like it to the naked eye. The baby of a poor Jewish couple doesn't look like salvation, but he is. And like the child for whom life, the, the life of salvation has just begun, salvation for us has, in a sense, just begun. Jesus and the salvation he brings will grow and grow. And though Jesus himself lived a life acquainted with suffering, up to the shameful and painful death on a cross, still we say that salvation is here. When we pray with Simeon, we look forward to the day when God's salvation is seen in full, when God brings all things together, things on heaven and things on earth in Christ Jesus. And believing that and declaring that helps us to live with hope because we know that God is near, so near that we can call him Abba, 
Father, as we said together earlier. So if, if this morning, and if, if in your Christian life, you can hope and pray with Simeon knowing that Jesus is here, that means that you can go in peace with him. You know, the, the mas in Christmas, it comes from the same Latin word that we get the dimittis and newton dimittis, the dismiss. It means to go, to go. And so maybe this prayer this morning, and maybe what the reality of Jesus in your life looks like this morning, is that it enables you to just keep going. And maybe that's what you need today, because you don't feel like you can get up and go anymore. So maybe what this means is that we can hope, knowing what God will do in the future, that we can live with him even right now. We can keep going. And maybe what it means for us today is that we can go, that we can be sent forth, we can be dismissed from this place as Simeon was dismissed to go and share the good news of what God has done in our world and for us, just like Anna did. And maybe that's the message of Simeon this morning. When we pray with him that we've seen salvation, then we can go in peace knowing that we've been sent by God. So I want you to take this prayer. I want to invite you to take it over the next week. Pray it. Pray it to help you know what it means to keep on going, that God's salvation has come to you, that he hasn't given up on you or this world. Pray it so you can go in mission to share the love that God has given you with others. If that's you, I want you to know this morning that, that uh, this church is always open to you. This Sunday and every Sunday. Perhaps you're ready for the first time to make a commitment to say that, you know what, I know that God's salvation has come to me, and I trust it, and I want to be a part of his people. And maybe you already know that, but you want to recommit to say, I want to be a part of God's people who are sent forth in peace according to his word. I want to do that this morning. If that's you, um, come talk to me after the service. Uh, or give me a call this week, or shoot me an email. We would love to have you come and be a part of what God is doing with us. We'll be greatly blessed by it. So this morning we celebrate. We've seen salvation. That God has come to us. And that God has prepared this before our very eyes. Merry Christmas. Amen. Let's sing.